0: Thank you for listening to the FBH podcast. For more information about our church, feel free to visit www.fbhanford.org. Well, good morning to you. You may remember a couple weeks ago I had the privilege of, uh, as we kicked off this series, reading the Bible series, I had the privilege of uh, preaching at the last minute. Uh, Pastor Peter wasn't feeling well, texted me, said, hey, could you step in and do it? And I, of course, gladly uh, did that. But this morning, I, it, it did occur to me, wouldn't it be great if I just sent him a text message and said, hey, I'm not feeling so good this morning. What would you, eh, but I'm just such a person of integrity, I, I could not bring myself to, uh, to do that. So I did not. Uh, I did not do that. But we've been enjoying th- this series as we've been looking at the idea of reading the Bible and how to read the Bible, hopefully equipping you uh, well to not just say that you read it or uh, read it and uh, have it kind of blow right through you, but reading it with a a level of understanding to what God wants to say to us. And so we've been looking at the authority and the reliability of the Bible. We've been talking a little bit about our approach to the Bible. In fact, last week, uh, Pastor Peter gave us a great way to approach the Bible and actually gave us a prayer to pray before we uh, read the Bible. I'm wondering, did did anyone try that prayer this week? Before you read, it's okay if you didn't, because we're going to do it right now. But all right. So I just thought it was a great way to kind of set the tone or at least to prepare our hearts to receive from what God uh, wants to give to us. So let me pray that prayer for us, and then we'll jump into what we have uh, this morning. God, give us wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Let any knowledge we gain today serve to help us love you and others more. Help us to see something new about you today. Correct any lies or anything we misunderstand about who you are. And then direct our steps according to your word. Amen. So that's my prayer this morning. I hope that's your prayer. And I thought one one thing that I would do this morning is bring some relics from my own uh, personal life just to uh, share with you. And so I've got a couple Bibles here that I wanted to share. uh, display this first one uh, was given to Jimmy Milhan, That's my dad uh, on Easter of 1942. This New Testament. So, and I told my dad I was going to be showing that today. And I said, Dad, you got to watch. So, Dad, if you're watching, uh, good morning. Glad to have you with us this morning. But 1942. So that's 79 years old uh, this year for that Bible. And this this one here uh, was given to me. I think. Uh, I think it was in fourth grade, 1971. So this is my own personal relic uh, Bible. Uh, These are ones that don't get as much use anymore because I just kind of have them out of the way. But I thought they would be good to uh, display. Did you bring your Bible this morning? If you brought it, hold it up, whether it's digital or hard copy. We need our Bibles uh, this morning. So what we want to do, and and this is why this series is important, right? We're wanting to read more effectively the Word of God. We want to understand why it's important to us. And even as we think about North American Christians, there's some statistics that should challenge us about Bible literacy and Bible reading. The one recent survey uh, said that one-third of Church attenders, one-third, 32% of church attenders say that they read their Bible personally each day. Now, if that's true, that's pretty impressive. I would have guessed lower than that. But we know that people tend to um, maybe overestimate how much time they spend doing certain things like that. But that's good. But in that same survey, it it pointed out that 12%, so um, one in eight uh, believers or uh, church attenders rarely or never read their Bible. So we recognize that there's, there's a gap there between realizing it's important versus actually spending time uh, in it. And it, so it got my analytical side kind of going like, okay, if, if we're not spending a lot of time in the Bible or for those that aren't spending a lot of time in the Bible, where are they spending their time, and what are the consequences of that. And then, of course, I started thinking about how, th- how it happens on a physical level. So I wanted to start at the physical level, and then we'll move to, kind of to the spiritual level. But in 2004, there was a movie uh, that came out, a documentary called Super Size Me. Uh, some of you may have saw that movie. Morgan Spurlock uh, did a kind of a social experiment where he spent 30 days, and uh, he ate three meals a day for 30 days at McDonald's. And during that 30 days, he had everything that was on the menu at least one time. And uh, and that's all he ate. Now, this is not McDonald's bashing. This is just what the documentary uh, did. So over that 30 days, here's what happened to uh, Morgan. Uh, First of all, he consumed on average 5,000 calories every day. It's a little bit higher than what is uh, healthy. Okay, so 5,000 calories a day. Uh, he gained 23 pounds, so that was a 13% body mass <clears throat> increase. His cholesterol rose to 230 milligrams. <clears throat> he experienced some mood sp- uh, mood swings. And then his organs, as they did, uh, checked him out later, his organs had fat accumulation all around them. It just, he was a mess after 30 days. And it took him all, I think just over a year to get back to uh, good health after doing that. So I started thinking that I, I recognize in my own life that there are parallels between my physical life and my spiritual life. There's, you know, if, if I'm not taking good care of myself physically, I'm not going to be feeling good. And if I'm not taking time to invest spiritually in my life, it's going to show in my life. It might show in my mood. It might show in my attitude, uh, how I respond to people, how I'm just thinking, how I'm treating my family. There's all, there's all sorts of things that it can creep into But we realize there's these parallels that happen in our life. And so we we know that, uh, well, at least this series has pointed us to the fact that in a real practical way, being in God's word and and exposed to the word of God is important. Because in the same way that if we just fill our uh, bodies with junk food and stuff that's not good for us, it's going to be a disaster. The same thing happens to us spiritually. And so we have to ask, You know, where is the content that is flowing into my ears and eyes and into my heart and into my spirit? Where is that coming from? Where is that content uh, coming from? And so we know that reading the Bible is important and we believe it's important. But uh, here's the truth. If we're going to obey God and his commands, we're going to have to know God and his commands. And if we're going to know God and his commands, we're going to have to go and hear his voice. And if we're going to hear his voice, the place we're going to hear his voice is the place that he says he speaks to us, which is through his word, the Bible. And so if, if it would be kind of counterintuitive to think, well, I'm just going to kind of move through my life and hope God shows up. And thankfully, by his mercy and grace, he does show up in other ways too. But he's given us his word. And if we want to hear from him, this is the place that we can go. So we know it's important. We also realize that we feel inadequate when we approach uh, God's word sometimes. And when we look at uh, how how I'm going to read, or what I'm going to read, or how can I read it better. We, we need to grow in that area. So that's kind of what we want to do as we conclude this series over the next couple of weeks, is talk a little bit about methodology. Like, how do we approach this? How can we do it effectively? And we want to do this in a way that doesn't seem overwhelming, and uh, something that uh, just everybody uh, can do. So that's kind of what we want to do. So I want to share with you a little bit of some of the things I do when I read uh, God's word, and then I want to, in a practical way to conclude this morning, kind of point you uh, where one of my studies uh, took me uh, this week. So the first thing I want to kind of say regarding this is the idea that when we approach reading God's word, we can do it in in two big ways. One is we can read for familiarity, like we want to get familiar with what we're reading, or we can read for intimacy, and so when we think about those two big ideas and, and we think about reading for familiarity, uh, when it comes to the Bible, this is uh, Pastor Peter's uh, metaphor is this idea of uh, a fire hose that we want to read kind of bigger sections of the Bible and and get the, the bigger arc of what the story is telling us. And so we read big sections and we can kind of get the flow and see how it all fits together and how the Old Testament interacts with the New Testament. The, this is one of the the best ways that we can get this picture is by reading bigger, larger uh, sections of the Bible. With that in mind, my good friends Lee and Lisa Pritchard uh, in the, at the 1st of March are going to uh, lead us through a group that we've done in the past called uh, The Bible in 90 Days. And so in 90 days, you will go cover to cover uh, through the Bible. It can be done. The Pritchards have done it numerous times. Many of you have done it. And if, so if you're ready for a challenge like that, they're going to do that on Sunday evenings. Uh, you can uh, go to our uh, events page and you can register for that. But this is a way to just to get the bigger arc of what the Bible is saying to us, and that's an important way to read the Bible. We also need to read for intimacy, and so this is reading uh, smaller pieces, uh, a couple verses at a time, or maybe a chapter at a time. And rather than a fire hose, this is more like a throat lozenge. We're going to we're going to move it around in our mouth, we're going to suck on it, we're going to let it kind of just soak into our heart and mind, and we need to do that as well. There's got to be this balance. I believe if we're going to approach the Word of God, we've got to have both of those. We've got to be familiar with it, we've got to know our way around the Bible, and we've got to let it draw us into intimacy with God. So in my, in my personal experience, what I uh, am doing right now is in, in my devotional time, I'm using the fam- familiarity approach. I am, uh, I've got a a reading plan that gives me five readings each week that's going to take me through the Bible this year. There's an Old Testament reading and a New Testament reading and then usually uh, a chapter from the book of Psalms. And they are bigger sections, and it's just a great way to catch the story of the Bible. And so I do that in my devotional time. And then I'm in a couple of groups that are... Uh, forcing me a little bit deeper into the Word, a little bit more intimate. Uh, Our our men's group on Thursdays is just launching into Philippians, and so we're going through that a section at a time. And so we've got to have both of those in our life, and I would encourage you to find that balance because we do need to be familiar with the Bible, but we need to to allow God to intimately uh, speak to our lives uh, through His Word as well. So we know that... um, We want to do this. Let's talk a little bit about methodology. Now, this is, I I don't want you to be overwhelmed by this. In fact, I've left uh, the the little method I'm going to give you today. There's a sheet over here at the side of the stage. If you want to pick one up uh, when we're done this morning, you can take one uh, with you. But uh, the the idea that I want us to spend some time with today is the idea of a word study, of, of finding a word in Scripture and trying to just Turn it around, look at it some different ways, and unpack it, and see if it has some meaning that is going to encourage you. So, what I want to do this morning is really quickly go through kind of how a word study happens, and then I'm uh, want to conclude this morning by just doing a, a brief wor- uh, work through one of the words that I came across um, this last week. So, uh, when we're talking about a word study, I-, I said this already, but I want to say it again. It may seem overwhelming. It may seem difficult. But it really doesn't have to be. There are a lot of tools that are available uh, that will allow you to go into it as deep as you want. If you just want to stick your toes in the water and say, hey, I I just want to experiment, you can do that. But if you're ready to jump in with both feet and say, I want to know what the original word meant, you can get there. Even though you may not know the original languages. Because we know that the Old Testament was primarily a Hebrew document. New Testament primarily a Greek document. None of us are very, I don't want to assume, most of us do not understand those languages, and so we need some help. And so we've put on our website a a button that you can click and get some access to a couple of websites. Uh, Pastor Peter mentioned these last week. Bible Gateway, Bible Hub, uh, Blue Letter Bible. These are all places that you can get information and get help as you're studying. But I want to highlight two quick tools that I think are uh, important. One is a concordance. Some of your Bibles have a concordance uh, in it, uh, but they also have, an, and they're not exhaustive. Uh, the, the ones in your Bible will have many words, but not all the words. But an exhaustive concordance will have every word that appears in Scripture, and it will tell you where that word appears, and how many times, and what different books of the Bible. So the concordance is great. Again, you can have a hard copy of a concordance, but they're also available. Uh, online, easy to find. And the other uh, tool is a Bible commentary. And a Bible commentary is uh, written by an author who has studied the book or the section of Scripture thoroughly, will give you historical background, will give you a lot of information about it. And those can be very helpful in giving you insights into what Scripture is saying. Keep in mind on commentaries in particular, those are written by people that have maybe a certain theological perspective. So you need to recognize that when you're reading that you're going to be getting in some uh, in in many cases their opinion about uh, certain things but it still can be very helpful so those are important tools so let's jump into this I want I want you to understand that this is not does not have to be overwhelming it can be actually fun right it can be fun you find a word you're interested in and you can find out what it means and not only will it be you feel smart but you'll be better equipped to live uh, what you want to live so let's let's look at this so here we go. The first step in uh, word study is you've got to identify the word that you want to study. That See how easy that is? So easy. How do I identify the word, Jeff? How do I figure out what word I'm going to study? Good question. Here's what I would suggest. There are some great ways to identify these words. First, you're reading along, and if a word keeps popping up over and over and over, that would be a good indication that that might be a good word to study. So if this word gets repeated often, that would be a good idea to single out that word and find out more what it means. Maybe you come across a, a, a very theological word. Uh, you might be reading along and you come across the word justification. And you go, I don't know what that means, but it sounds very theological. So that might be one that you could jump into and find out uh, what that might uh, mean. Uh, difficult or unfamiliar word. So you come across a word uh, and I'm not talking just about names now. There's one thing to be reading a genealogy. There's plenty of names we can't pronounce. But there may be another word that you don't know what it means or, or anything about it. That would be a good word that you could add to your word study. Um, encouraging words. You, you come across something that uh, may be the word love or the word forgiveness. These might be words that encourage you. They're also very theologically loaded as, as well. But it's encouraging to you say I want to I want to know more about what that word means, and then lastly maybe a meaningful phrase you come across the phrase. Uh, this last week I was reading Psalm 24, and in Psalm 24 the word king of or the phrase king of glory appears like three or four different times, and I thought man that would be great to unpack what that phrase means. So you you as you're reading through it'll be very easy to identify words that. Uh, you want to uh, know more about. So we identify the word. Secondly, we're going to define the word. We're going to define it in English. And then we want to define it in its original language. And again, don't be overwhelmed by this. This can be done. You can get the original definition in Hebrew or Greek uh, with a, a couple of uh, tools that we've already mentioned. So you want to get a definition uh, of that word. A Bible dictionary would be helpful at this point as well. You then once you've got the definition, you're going to compare this word Uh, I would compare it with other versions of the Bible. So I tend to read from the New International Version, but I might want to look at the English Standard Version or I might want to look at King James Version or New American Standard Version and see, did this word get translated differently? Did they use a different English word in a different version? This would help me understand some of the nuances of what the word might be wanting to tell me. Where else in the Bible is is this word used? So Paul used the word justification here, but maybe Peter in one of his letters, he used it differently, or maybe it was exactly the same or whatever. So we're going to compare where in the Bible this word appears in other places. So you're going to make those comparisons. And so now we've identified a word, we've defined it, we're comparing it, we're looking at how it gets used, and then the last couple steps are where we really begin to get an idea of What does God want to say to me through this? So I want to discover, that. that's the the, uh, fourth step, is I want to discover its original use. How did this word get used when it was originally in play? Whether we're talking first century, early church, it might be in the Old Testament. You might want to look for the cultural meaning. There are plenty of words, in fact, we're going to look at one in a moment, that had cultural meaning before it was even a Christian word. And so we, we sometimes assume that these words are always Christian, but that has not always been the case. There's a cultural meaning behind the word, so we want to discover what that is. And a, a commentary can be helpful at this point because th- these people that have written have done a lot of this study. So we can look at the commentary. You can do a little bit of work yourself on that and kind of tear it apart and, and find out uh, that meaning. You also want to discover what, what it's communicating Uh, to me about the maybe religious life of the people that were reading it uh, or the particular situation that they were in uh, at the time. So you can, again, dig a little bit for historical context and what's happening uh, in the the lives of the people that were reading this or who it was written to. And there are cross-references in your Bible sometimes. You're reading along and there's a verse... Uh, That it mentions and it will jump you right over to another place where that idea got mentioned or that word got mentioned So there are all sorts of ways you can take some time and discover a little bit more deeply what this word is all about So we're going to we're going to identify we're going to define we're going to compare we're going to discover kind of the, the Deeper meaning and then lastly we want to apply it and there are all sorts of application questions you can ask But you you may want to ask yourself what is this telling me about God? What else? What can I learn about God from this word? Or is it requiring some kind of response? What kind of response do I need to make to the truth that I'm finding out from studying this word? Or what can I be thankful for? God, what can I thank you for, for from what I'm learning? And there are other um, questions that you can ask for application. But it would not make sense in my mind to do all that work to find out what it meant and not ask an application question and not say, God, what do you want to tell me? How how is my life going to be different because I've taken the time to understand this word better? So I think one way to help us kind of bridge that gap towards application is I want to share with you uh, just really briefly a study through a word that uh, uh, had meaning for me this last week. So in my Bible reading, my devotional reading, Uh, I was in the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 1. We just finished not too long ago with the series on Galatians, so we should be pretty familiar with that. But if you got your Bible this morning, pull it out, find Galatians chapter 1. We're going to look at uh, some verses there in chapter 1 that will uh, highlight, I think, why I chose this particular passage. We're going to start at verse 6 of Galatians chapter 1. This is Paul. He's writing to churches in Galatia, a group of churches, and this is what he said. He says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than the one you accepted, let them be under God's curse. So as I was reading Galatians 1, this word gospel stuck out to me. And I said, Paul obviously knew what he was talking about. He, He used the word gospel. The people in the churches in Galatia, I'm going to assume when Paul used the word gospel, they knew what he was talking about. And so I needed to ask myself the question, what is this gospel? Now, I've been around church a long time, and, and uh, so I had my ideas of, about what the, what the word gospel meant, but I wanted to kind of set those aside and said, let's, let's look and see if there's anything new that would come as I studied through this. So I identified my word, I defined it. This is a Greek word. The word is euangelion. And you might be, uh, you've probably heard it, this definition before, but the word means good news. It means good message. It means a, a good announcement. So that's great. We've heard that before. The gospel is good news. The interesting thing to me is this was not, an, originally was, this was not a Christian word. Good news had to do with a message from a king who was reporting on something that had happened in a, in a military battle, he was bringing euangelion, he was bringing good news, a good news announcement about what their troops had done or this kingdom was expanding or, or a good news message about the kingdom that this king was reigning over. And so that's what gospel originally meant. And so when we see it in the New Testament, uh, it, it has that as a background as we come to it. So we have to ask ourselves, okay, well, if it's not uniquely Christian, and it, but it, we, it kind of got co-opted by uh, Christians, um, how did that happen? So the first time that we see the word gospel appear in the New Testament, we see it on the lips of Jesus himself. So in Mark chapter 1, uh, Jesus uh, is showing up on the scene. first, The very first time he speaks publicly in Mark chapter 1 verse 14, it says this. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news, evangelion. Jesus was proclaiming the good news. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news, evangelio. So the, the, this, this is the first message Jesus has. He's proclaiming the good news. And, and his message to the people is that God's kingdom has come. Repent and believe the good news. So, so we've got this Jesus, this king, this new king uh, that's establishing a new uh, kingdom on earth, bringing good news of this kingdom. And so when we think about this, Jesus used it primarily in the New Testament, though, when we see the word gospel, almost three out of four times it's going to be from the pen of Paul. Paul wrote extensively, used the word gospel ex- extensively as he was writing uh, to those that he wrote to about this good news message. So I've defined the word, and then I, I started asking myself, like, okay, well, what is, what is the content of this word? Uh, you know, what is this, uh, what is it all about? When Paul used the word, it seemed kind of loaded to me that there was meaning behind it. What was Paul referring to? So I, I started Asking questions like, well, what, is, what was the source of this gospel? Jesus himself said in Mark chapter 1, he says um, that this is God's good news. Paul said the same thing in Romans, that this is the good news of God himself. So this good news is coming from God. Paul even said in Galatians that this gospel is not something that man made up. He said, I didn't receive it from any man. I received this gospel by direct revelation from God. So the source of this gospel is not in anything that man made up. This is God's good news to his kingdom. So that's the source. And then I have to ask myself, okay, is there, that's great. It's it's God's gospel. What is the content? What is the message that I, I need to hear? Or, yeah, and what is the content of this gospel? So, if you uh, want to uh, move away from Galatians over to 1 Corinthians, there's another passage that I think is important for us to look at uh, when we think about this. Because ultimately, you can unpack the content of this gospel throughout the pages of the New Testament. But I believe 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4, give a pretty good summary of. The essence of what the gospel is all about. So, if you've always been curious, well, what is this good news of the gospel? Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. Again, this is Paul writing Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you have received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise you would have believed in vain. For I received, for what I received, I'm sorry, for what I received I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. So in this little brief passage you can get, you can see the essence of the gospel and and the first thing that you can see is really the, the, the idea of, of the sinfulness of man. Paul highlights that here in this gospel, that, that Christ died for our sins. You see that, that indeed the death of Christ paid for those sins and that his resurrection provided uh, an everlasting life or a victory over sin and death. And so as you look at those, those are those three big ideas are really the essence of the gospel message. I would probably add one other thing from the book of Ephesians which is that this is a gift of God. This is a free gift. Uh, Romans 5.8 uh, uh, says that Christ died for our sins while we were still sinners. So we did not earn this. Ephesians 2 tells us that very thing. That we're saved by grace. There's nothing that we've done to earn this Salvation—that this gospel, this good news message, is God's free gift to us—and so that's the essence of the gospel message, the content that's there. And so, uh, to conclude this, it just to me it drives me to this idea that there's there. What is the response to this? What is the response to the gospel? And, and Jesus made it clear, again, if we jump back to Mark 1, Jesus made it clear, he says the kingdom of God is near, repent and believe the good news. And so even that word repent would be a great word study to do sometime. The word repent means to uh, turn around and go in a different direction. You're moving in one direction, repentance is turning around and going in the opposite direction. And that's Jesus' idea of a response to the gospel, repent believes. So in my mind, our, our really, ultimately, when we hear the gospel, when we hear the gospel message, our, our choices for a response are two. We can believe or we cannot believe. There's not really a, a, a place in between there. You're going to believe the gospel or you're not going to believe the gospel. And so each of us has to, as we hear this good news message, we've got to come to the point of making a decision, What am I going to do with this good news? Am I going to believe it or am I going to reject it and not believe it? And so when we believe it, and many of us in this room and those that are watching us this morning would probably say, hey, that's me. I believe the good news of the gospel. And amen to that. That's that's awesome. Now when we say, when we make that choice and we say, yes, I believe the gospel, there's a salvation part of this, right? Romans 10, 9 and 10. 10 says this, if we declare with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There is a salvation part of this. We are being saved from our sin. That's part of the good news. We make that decision. We are saved. And so that's, that's the starting point when we hear the gospel is that, that there's a salvation message when we respond with belief. And so... This morning, whether you're here in this room or you're uh, watching us online this morning, and if you've never made the decision to believe the gospel, you can do that this morning. And it's as simple as this. And, and we finish our, our messages every week with this prayer. Jesus, I admit that I'm in need of a Savior. I believe the good news and that you came to die for my sin and I choose to follow you with my life. That's the prayer of belief in the gospel, and that brings salvation. And that's, that's, a, that's a prayer that we want for every one of you to understand this morning. But I want to finish with this as well because many of us have, have made that decision. You, ha- you have chosen to believe. Yes, I believe the gospel. And I've experienced the salvation of God, the forgiveness of sin that that gospel brings. And that's wonderful. But I believe that not only does the gospel bring salvation into our life, but when we believe the gospel and we respond yes to the gospel, we are also acknowledging a new king in our life. That Jesus is king. And Jesus brings this good news message into our life. And when I say yes to Jesus as my king, it initiate I'm initiated into a new kingdom. I have a new way of thinking, a new way of acting, a new way of believing. That yes, I am saved. There is a salvation part of the gospel, but there is a life changing obedience pap- pattern that happens in my life. That I have a new king that I am serving, and I wanna know him. I wanna know what he values. I wanna know what his priorities are, and I wanna live in a way that reflects that kingdom to the world. That's the other part of the gospel. That's the other part of the good news. And so as we follow Jesus into this new kingdom, Uh, What we do, what we say, what we value, how we treat people, those are all reflections of the new kingdom that's established in my life. And so we want to acknowledge the salvation. You need to know Jesus as your Savior uh, to be saved and to experience this eternal life that we talk about. And then when that happens, the other part of the gospel kicks in that uh, that there's a, a a kingdom that I'm a part of that wants to change the world. So I want you to take a moment and consider the content of the material that you consume week in and week out. We're going to go back to where I started. And we're we're saying, hey, we want to spend time in the word of God. And we recognize that maybe I'm out of balance. Maybe I've uh, succumbed to some of the junk food that is available through social media or through television or whatever. And and I'm investing way too much time there. And it's, it's affecting how I think, how I live, how I treat people. I've got to change the content that I'm allowing to come uh, through my eyes, through my ears, and into my heart. And when we do that, and we recognize that we are part of a kingdom that wants to not just experience eternal life one day in heaven, but we're part of a kingdom that wants to change the world right here and right now as we follow Jesus. So there's a lot at stake here. Because when we believe the gospel, It is not just about salvation. We need to be people who are living in a new kingdom so that the world sees it, hears it, and experiences it through us. Amen? I want that for us. I want that for this church. I want that for you, that you can be uh, an ambassador of this kingdom of God to the world. Let me pray for us. God, so grateful. So grateful for the, the truth of the gospel. Thank you, first of all, for your word. As we've been going through this series and being challenged to spend more time in your word That's what we want to be about. Uh, Help us to be uh, students that are are willing to say no to some of the other stuff that pulls us uh, to spend time with it so that we can invest more time in your word. Thank you this morning for the good news of the gospel that offers us salvation to those who would believe and also a new kingdom to be a part of as we move forward in this world. So God, our prayer, my prayer uh, for my friends, for my brothers and sisters here this morning, is that we would understand in a greater way what your kingdom is about and how you want us to be a part of it. So, God, as we leave this place, as we move through this week, would we be a reflection of your kingdom to the world? In Jesus' name, amen.